Hello, friends. Welcome to the Industrial Marketing Show. Very soft the way I said that. The number one podcast for marketers in the manufacturing space. I am one of your hosts, Matthew Shinella. And I am the other host, MJ Peters. Oh, that's a new one. You had a new, uh, new intro. All right. So, MJ, today's topic that we're going to discuss is simple attribution modeling and reporting, which is um, something I work with clients on quite a bit at Gorilla. Um, and I, I know you've had to work on that as well yourself um, at Firetrace. And I know your team does that quite a bit at Refined Labs. And so I think it's a really good thing to go through for the audience here because I, I think attribution is something a lot of people struggle with. I think I'm one of those people as well who struggle with it from time to time. Um, and, uh, and I think really the, the reason people struggle with attribution is because they make it way too complicated um, and really simple is very good in terms of how you build your attribution, uh, for leads and for opportunities. Um, and simple is something that's easy to understand, but there's also ways to build it in a simple way that don't really give you any insights. And so there's some traps I think to avoid, which I've also run into with clients. Yeah, so let's start uh, by framing this episode up. Like, what is attribution and, and what do companies think it is? What benefit do they think they're going to get from it? Um, so that we can we can then dive into the details a little bit. So I think broadly attribution has come to be known as like synonymous with marketing reporting, which it really isn't. But um, it's like a, people talk about this in terms of how you measure marketing, like how effective is your marketing Specifically, this tends to be digital marketing. There's some some ways to measure marketing that happens analog in the real world using tools that might be broadly categorized as attribution. But it's like, is what we're doing effective? And like, what are the most effective things that we are doing? Mm -hmm. And so um, attribution typically takes place inside of like a CRM or a marketing automation system that your marketing automation system or your CRM takes care of it for you. Um, and it'll typically show up in like a field in your uh, MAP or your CRM, like a, a source field uh, in HubSpot, uh, original source drill down, like all of these fields that are like mapped to social media, direct traffic, organic traffic. And then some more advanced attribution models will like give fractional credit to like different channels. So then there emerged like different ways of looking at attribution. There's first touch, which is like you get all, all the credit goes to the first first thing that the that the user saw, which is not actually necessarily the first thing they saw, but the first thing that the software knows they saw. Then you've got last yeah. touch, which is the last thing that they saw before converting. And then you've got other fractional ones where it's like, I'm going to assign 20% to this and 40% to this, which is like a lot of math, right? But we're, we're trying, to assign, trying to assign numbers to marketing here. And I think the one thing to talk when we talk about weighting, it's a pretty inexact science in reality. I mean, yes, you as an organization decide to to weight it one way or another, but it's not like that's that's not exactly an absolute representation either, right? Like one thing your CEO Chris talks about all the time, which I'm a big proponent of, is attribution has inherent limits and flaws, um, which is why I think. And I think a lot of what I watch my clients do, and I think what a lot of companies do, is they almost exclusively uh, do attribution based on last touch because it's automatic. Um, you know, CRMs give it to you. Um, 
even when it's sales sourced, like the last touch is typically the salesperson talk to them. And so that becomes that last touch as well. So attribution extends beyond marketing, obviously. It's 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 also sales. Um, it's also like, it's, it's and like you said, it's analog. So trade shows is another way to, to think about um, attribution too. But um, but I think what a lot of companies use for attribution is, is a last touch model or what they'll do is they'll do a, they'll have someone who's responsible for doing attribution itself. So like attribution happens on the, on the lead level in the, in the, in the marketing automation platform. Right. But then a lot of companies will have uh, a separate deal source or opportunity source that is not automated whatsoever. It's, it's really, it's, it's based on the decision-making of someone who's responsible for it. And um, I think that is a very risky proposition, but I will see a lot of companies do it. And I, I think that you need to have some guardrails in place if you're going to do deal attribution like that. Um, mostly one thing is you should have a dedicated person who reports to either marketing or sales responsible for that. Maybe it's someone on the customer success or service side, or maybe it's a rev op side. I know that's a very ideal scenario, but I, was, I had one such client where I was going through their HubSpot and uh, they had... Um, they had they the way they do deal source is they'll have they had one field where it was customer or prospect contacted us and they had um something like to the tune in 2021 64% of their revenue attributed to this deal attribution to which i made the very i think easy observation that there's almost zero strategic insight from that to drive any kind of decision making um, and when you're doing attribution like that, you need to ask questions like, why do we attribute deals like that? And what are we learning from that that's going to drive decision making for us in the future? So when I talk about attribution and when I say it should be simple, yes, it should be simple, but it should also be something you can take action out of um, year over year, quarter over quarter. Yeah, I think that's that's really the heart of it. The point of attribution is to give you data that helps you make better decisions about where to invest your marketing and your sales effort. So um, the easiest data to interpret and the data that is least susceptible to being gamed is a simple attribution system. So before we get into what that simple attribution system is, I will outline, because I think it's important, one final trap. And that final trap is the software measures what the software finds easy to measure. And Mm -hmm. we actually did a study on this at Refine Labs. And so we we encourage all of our customers and we do this to ourselves to include a form called, how did you hear about us? A form field, excuse me. uh, How did you hear about us in your primary conversion points on your website? And that'll give you another attribution source, which is self-reported attribution. And that tends to give you what is the touch point the customer remembers, regardless of what the last touch point is. Meanwhile, the software is measuring what the software likes to measure. And the software always favors uh, organic traffic, paid it search. It favors last touch is what it favors. I mean, yeah, it's, it favors it, last I mean, touch. Yeah. So I mean, but- here's the crazy insight, though. If you compare the self-reported attribution data to the software reported attribution data, they disagree like 80% of the time. 
So like, how are you supposed to make decisions about that when every single lead is attributed to organic search, even though according to the self-reported attribution, they came from a podcast, from word of mouth, from a referral. I bet you in manufacturing companies, it's like a ton of just referrals. Oh yeah. Um, Meanwhile, you're like, we need to do SEO, more SEO, more SEO. Well, yeah, of course, that's what the data is showing you, but the data is being gained. Yeah, I would I would totally agree with that, and I, I and you're absolutely right. I think a lot of uh, if you did self-reported attribution, and I've done this with a couple of my clients, a lot of it is referral traffic. Like this person recommended you, talk to this person. Um, like a, a lot of it is that when you when you when you break it down, um, and that definitely is a, is a is an interesting insight to have. And I you know I think really what what you drive from that is is looking at ways to engage your current customers a lot more um, either with, with content or with um, you know, with events or even little micro events and stuff like that to continue to have uh, you know, affinity towards you. But yeah, I, uh, I totally agree on the, the self-reported attribution. I like to compare for me with my clients, especially if they have a good um, CRM instance, which is, few and far between. But when you find the few companies that have that, um, which is kudos usually to the sales director for putting that together and they actually have a a good attention to detail in regards to it. Um, I like to look at Last Touch because it's certainly what HubSpot or whatever marketing automation platform you use tell you. Um, Self-reported, if you have it, is also really good. You would normally want to normalize that data um, either by using a workflow to normalize it for yourself, or uh, or just going in and doing it manually if uh, if if you don't have that much volume. And then the other thing is if you have deal source, which is like its own sort of thing, um, looking at looking at deal source as well, and then comparing the three of those. And really, what that's supposed to do is drive discussion. I think more than anything, and say, okay, this tell this gives us this insight. This gives us this insight. This gives us this insight, or doesn't give us this insight. Where do we need to where do we need to give ourselves more actionable data to drive a better decision for us? So I, I like to, to mo- I like to put my dashboards together like that. I'm looking at each of those three side by side, um, and to me that uh, that th- there's always going to be a lot of gaps in between both of those, and that's not a bad thing at all. It just it just should what it should prove is that the buyer's journey is anything but linear, which is I think something we've talked about on the show at nauseum. Um, but for me, it's it's always good to drive discussion, and I think when you look in the sales director looks at that with you, it's in the CEO if you can get them to look at it. It's usually pretty eye opening, and it, it leads to some good discussions regarding certain things. I especially like it because some of the last touch items versus some of the deal source items can be wildly off. Um, especially when you can follow, kind of follow the, the touch point trail that exists for you. Like when did this person convert and what do they convert off of? Um, and it, it really helps you identify gaps because when you only report off of one attribution source, like deal source leads to a lot of missed, um, insight. And I, that's why I think you have to be looking at a few different, uh, a, a few different ways of attribution, because if you only are relying on one you're, you're missing a huge part of the story overall. Yeah. Okay. So I think this will be a useful exercise for people and I'll go first so that you have time to think of the answer to this. But the question is, 
name a time that you use data from your CRM um, to actually change what you were doing in marketing. And what was the report that showed you this? So I will go first. Um, at Firetrace, I suspected that we had a much stronger value proposition in some, some segments of our business than in others. And so I was curious, does the data bear this out? What are the close rates across different segments? And we had a custom field in our CRM called contact product application. And so <laughs> this was a weird one. Like you, you sometimes have to figure out some of this stuff in industrial. So we had two different fields. We had contact market and contact product application. So uh, in product application, it's like, what is the physical piece of equipment that they are protecting? And in market, it's like, what does this company actually do? So like market is uh, manufacturing and product application is an EDM machine or a CNC machine or an electrical panel, right? So all of those things can exist inside a manufacturing facility, which is why we had two custom fields, but contact product application, very interesting. So I figured we have a great, super strong value prop in CNC machines. And then there's all this other random stuff that we try to protect like farm equipment, right? Where the value prop just isn't that strong. So I built this report and it was close rate by contact product application name. Uh, mind you, uh, the, we copied the contact product application via workflow to the deal as a, as a custom field called deal product application. So there was no manual data entry here. Like uh, we needed a source of truth back to like manual, manually inputting the deal information is risky territory. So I had all this information on the deal record. And uh, what I found was the CNC machine deals were closing between 30 and 40% and all other applications were closing at 2%. So that to me says <laughs> marketing needs to go out and source as many CNC machine deals as possible. That's attribution, kind of. Um, it's marketing data that's actually helping you tell a strategic story and you should be setting up your CRM to do that, not to like prove that marketing did this or sales did this or whatever. Nice. That is, uh, that's super interesting. Um, let me see. I'm trying to think. So I had, I'm, it's just, I'm actually trying to pull this up and I can't find the file, but I did have a client. Um, I did some deep reporting for, they'd done a lot of direct response lead gen. They, they, they do a really good job of stacking leads. They get, hundreds of leads a month. Um, and so they tried to model out, you know, this, this very easy lead increase that was going to translate back to revenue. Um, and so I, I basically took all their sourced opportunities, um, exported it into an Excel sheet, normalized all of from the normalized the last touch into a, um, into like certain buckets. So it was like content download or a webinar, or a quote request, or a contact us request, and I did something that I know Chris does quite a bit, which is you know do a deeper analysis on that, and um, look through to see how things converted all the way through, and it was like their contact us request and their quote request both closed to customer in at basically double digits, so like one was eleven percent and one was fourteen percent. And their ebook downloads, which attributed for something around 
50 to 60% of their total leads for the year uh, translated into customers at about 3% um, or a little, little under 3%. And so, you know, I'd use that insight to try to set, to try to basically convince them to let's move, moving away from that, or even considering that a lead per se, um, just given the, the conversion possibility of it, uh, they didn't move off of that, but I definitely use sort of conversion point reporting, which is a much more advanced way of doing attribution. I wouldn't even call that simple. Um, in order to just make the case against trying to run more native lead gen from content downloads and stuff like that. That was the best example I could think of off the top of my head in the time you gave me. Yeah, yeah. Um, I'll give one more example because my first example, like to be fair, wasn't really attribution. It was just like marketing data related. Mm-hmm. Um, this one's more attribution related. Pretty simple. This was before I really embraced the theory of self-reported attribution, but like we had a open-ended message field in in our form at Firetrace. And when we first got into PR uh, as a channel to reach the win market, people kept writing in the message field like, oh, I saw your your article in this magazine. And like, I didn't even ask them to tell us where they heard about us, but I saw this happen. Like, it doesn't even have to happen that many times. Like, these are like multi-million dollar deals. It happened like twice, two or three times. And I was like, man, PR is freaking awesome. <laughs> you know. And then I can kind of like, I, I should have had self-reported attribution. I probably would have heard it like five or six or seven or eight or nine times. But even those two or three people that decided to go out of their way to tell me that, I was like, we need to stay on this channel. We need to double down here. This channel is crushing it for us. Yeah. And I think one of the lessons that we learned from that, it's qualitative insights tend to like be your biggest uh, growth hacks, let's call them. Because <laughs> when you're when you're kind of trying to dig deeper into that, and if you're using last touch, you, you miss a huge part of the story. Like that person told you they saw your magazine article from your PR effort um, with the, the person who we did the podcast with a year ago, right? What was his name, Dan? Or uh, I don't even remember. But but yeah, um, you know that person probably from HubSpot came in as direct traffic or uh, branded organic search, right? And instead, it was actually PR. So when we talk about trying to use a few different, like two or three different ways to attribute leads and deals, um, part of it is so you can see the full picture. Because you know, if you were just going off of what HubSpot told you, um, it would be. Self, it would be uh, it would have been direct traffic, and then the salesperson would have put the deal in, and they would have put in in the deal source. Um, customer prospect contacted us, right? And and what would you have missed the PR the PR program that you paid for that brought the person in in the first place? So yeah, so that's so, why using, that's why using a few different models is important because you just miss a chunk of the story by doing that. Like yes, your website did its job by making it easy to convert and 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 you know request a, a pricing or a, or a demo or a consultation and yes your salesperson did did a nice job in the handoff because the handoff was really clean and easy and the and the discussion happened very quickly but you know the thing that got them there in the first place which is probably the most important thing that happened didn't actually that wasn't actually part of the equation in anything in anything your CRM captured so i think this brings us to uh, the tactical action plan which is like, all right, here's all these traps, but here's you know some stuff you can learn from your marketing data. So Matt, how should people actually set up a dashboard that is not going to point them in the wrong direction? 
Um, so I usually do most of my dashboard setups. Um, so I'll, I'll set three up. I'll do it by, I, I do it all by opportunity. Um, I sometimes will do cross object reporting as well in HubSpot. So I'm thinking about HubSpot in particular with Salesforce, I would set it up differently, but, um, but I'll use HubSpot in this instance because I have that like basically memorized like the back of my hand. But um, it, it, so much of it depends on how your CRM is set up. But let's say you just have the very simple setup where it's marketing source, Salesforce, and it's that easy, right? So you're, you want to you break it out by that um, in the report. And then you want to get Get, you want to get the following filters in this report. You want to get deal source, lead source, original source, drill down one. Um, and then if you have uh, that, that would be basically it. You want to, you want to filter by the marketing channels that you're using. If you want to just do marketing source and then you would look at, um, you would look at, uh, I'm losing my train of thought here. I'm tired, getting tired. <laughs> You would so you would say say you would, you would filter by those you would filter by those I, I would use a simple like pie chart or donut chart in order to do that and then you'll see the the kind of the the last touch because you're gonna you're gonna basically do it by original source then you basically clone that report swap out original source for deal source and do the exact same thing and then you'd clone that report and if you have self-reported attribution you would put like whatever you want to call self-reported attribution and do the same thing. Uh, Basically, you'd be doing that on the opportunity level and then just put those three side by side and see what it looked like. I don't feel I was explaining that well. It's a little difficult to explain. It's much easier to demonstrate in the tool, but yeah. that's, that's normally how I would set that up. Yeah. So I'm going to, as I tend to do, I'm going to come at it from the fluffy high level angle, um, which is I think whenever you're going to start a new marketing effort, you should have a hypothesis of what impact you think it's going to create. So let's say you are going to just go heavy on SEO, right? Um, you should probably track organic search traffic. You should probably track um, the number of organic hits to like newly created pages that you did as part of this SEO effort. You should later track conversions where the original source drill down one um, usually they're going to hit you with the SSL. Like we don't know mm -hmm. the keywords type of thing, but, but like, you know, source should be organic search in that case. And, and, you know, if they happen to come through Bing, then hallelujah, you can get your keyword too. But, um, I, I think you should always create a hypothesis of, of what impact you're going to create and then measure that. But the key is to create the hypothesis before you do the activity, as opposed to going back and trying to like set up the dashboards that make it seem like you did good work. Right. Um, you want to like hold yourself to the standard of, you know, sometimes you can fail and, and organizations have to have the culture where that's, that's okay. For sure. Um, I'm trying to think of something else. I don't really have anything else on this one. Um, and let's wrap add, it up. You want to wrap it up? Okay, let's do that. All right. You can catch the industrial marketing show on all the major podcasting platforms, including Apple and Spotify. Please leave us a five-star review. Please leave us a written review. Um, subscribe to the show if you haven't already. We would appreciate it. Um, drop MJ or myself a line if you have, um, have a topic idea for the show, if you want to be a guest on the show, if you want to give us feedback on the show. All that stuff would be awesome. Appreciate that. And uh, yeah, we'll be back next week with another episode. 
Um, we're getting close to episode 100, MJ. I think we're like 11 weeks away from it or 10, 10 episodes away from it. Isn't that true? I think we're very close. Yeah, I think we're about 10, 10 or 11. And um, I don't know, man. We didn't celebrate any of the previous episodes, so I'm probably guessing that you and I will do absolutely nothing to com- commemorate number 100, but we'll see. Oh, we should do that. something for 100. We should definitely yeah. do something for episode 100. That's a big one. I mean, that's a... 100 is a big episode. That's a, that's a big number. You know, most, most people don't even get to episode 10. So we should do something for 100. Maybe we'll bring a bunch of guests on. It'll be fun. Um, okay. Well, that's it for this week's show. Uh, appreciate y'all's time. And uh, yeah, we will see you all next week. So thanks for listening. Have a great rest of your day.